0: Hi, and welcome to the MCA Podcast, your fix for everything innovative in advertising production. I'm Pat Murphy, and I've been working in this industry for more than 35 years. I've seen a lot of changes, but know that there are many more around the corner. Each week on our podcast, you'll get to hear from one of the movers and shakers who are shaping the world of production for the future. And we'll dive into some of the key challenges facing our sector today and how we're best placed to overcome them. Today, you're going to meet Sergio Lopez-Ferrero. Sergio is someone I've known and admired for a very long time. He's the global head of production at The Publicist Group, and he's an expert in managing production across the world, working with well-known brands such as Coca-Cola, MasterCard and Sony, to name just a few, as well as winning many industry awards in his career. In today's podcast, Sergio will be discussing the way production is changing and adapting to the changing needs of the modern marketing environment. Welcome, Sergio, to our
1: podcast. Thank you, thank you, Pat.
0: Now, I was reading with interest the piece that you wrote for The Drum back in February of this year. Uh, you were talking about no longer being a silver bullet, and that production is not about delivering campaigns, but delivering engagement. Uh, where do you see this being most evident in the industry, and, and do you have a good example to bring this to life for us?
1: I mean, I think it's as, as usual, we start seeing that in passion brands, like brands that people start connecting with easiest. Because of social media, the way people are engaging with with content is not a three month stint anymore. They they're very much connecting the long term and and they build a relationship with a brand or with a creative that is been done. You're asking in car advertising how it's not just about a television commercial that is totally separate from the experience in the in the dealership or I'm totally different in the in the website. Fashion brands it's not the one with clients like L'Oreal yeah. that we work with you can tell how there is an entire experience that they want to, to engage with when they buy specific makeup or specific um, color nail polish. is It's not just about the last commercials are like they want to belong to that experience where they see where with influencers on, on social media, where, where they see in store. But if you look at television media spend for the first time in history, it's gone below 20%, which means that there's another 80% that people are connecting with. And that's why I think that it's not just about a Campaign with the television, some print, and some radio that just lasts for for two or three months, and then we throw it away and we start all over again. It, it requires another like longer engagement, not just on production but also on the strategy and and creative.
0: Do you think it's nowadays having to provide some value to the consumer more than ever before, creating content and entertainment is that a really important thing for for clients to bear in mind these days?
1: It's very dimensional. It's about providing entertainment. It's about providing education. You see, on some brands mm-hmm. like uh, DIY brands, right, like brands like Lowe's or Home Depot, that um, that people are, are almost demanding that they do and then teach them how to use their products and, and educate them. And then there is another dimension, which is social responsibility. If you if you remember, I think it was there is such a disenchantment with people with the political class these days and some level of of skepticism. That they put a lot of pressure on brands to actually make the world a better place. It's, it's, there was a there was a statistic that seventy percent of people um, think that brands are responsible for making for improving the situation in the world with uh, diversity inclusion and also with environment. So that's why I think is there's a bigger thing that yes, telling a, a a quick story. There is a demand that that brand that plays a bigger role in an individual.
0: There's a whole load of more things that you have to bear in mind when doing production these days, compared to when you and I started a long, very long time ago. Um, things like D&I, obviously, and, and uh, social responsibility. You know, is that a really big part of the planning pre-pro when you when you're working on a production?
1: It is now. I mean, it is now because remember that our agencies are made out of people, and these people we we mm. do care about these things, and we and we have increasingly people that came from. What we call underrepresented demographics, which is a really good—it's a really good thing in a in a in a business that is all about new and different. Bringing different voices and different perspective actually leads to better creative. So it's it's not a good to have. It's actually really—it's a really interesting thing. And those people do care, especially the younger generations, about the environment. Absolutely. Production in particular, production in particular. I think like Ad Green's numbers were saying that it's twenty five percent of the CO two emissions in advertising. So. People are, are starting to question how many people are sending to shoots and, and what are we doing with those huge sets that we build? What do we do with them when we, when we disregard them? So there's a lot more planning on that. But it's very quickly becoming second nature. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. And it, it's a lot of very um, make-sense kind of, kind of approach that, that everybody's embracing. I don't think that they're looking at it as a burden, but actually it's something that everybody is committed to.
0: One of the things that you and I have often talked about is trust. Uh, And trust is a key thing, I believe, in delivering effective work. And we still hear clients complain that for many, that the answer to every problem is a 30-second TV ad. This can't be the start point anymore and certainly doesn't help the complex challenges around producing and delivering a whole range of assets these days. How do agencies regain that trust if there seems a resistance to change?
1: I think that before we talk about trust, we we need to talk about like trust comes from being able to confidently deliver on things. The challenge has been in the last few, like I would say in the last 10, 15 years, technology has moved faster than we could adapt to that when you look at from digital to social to then marketing personalization. And it's very, I think that one of the mistakes looking back that we might have made at an industry is confidently looking at a client and say, of course, we know how to do that when nobody knew because it was an innovation area. right? There is no, there is nobody who say executive creative director level of metaverse right now because metaverse it hasn't been long enough for somebody to be an expert there's people that know how to innovate better than better than others and it's getting to that conversation with with clients what it is yes very be able to openly have a conversation around this is innovation and we need to to innovate and no you cannot measure of metaverse return on investment in the same way that you do television which has been around for 70 years right like if but at the same time, it's something that is because you come from generations of people that were deeply into gaming and, and, and people that, that are looking for experience. It seems like it's the right thing to do. It's easier for bigger brands because they have money, they have funds to, to play, and they, and they understand that it's beneficial for them to be ahead of the curve, dipping their toes into those things. But, um, but the evolution the there needs to be a conversation about, we don't know where this is going. Yet we we can see we can see areas where this is going, but we need to go together. If you want to be at the vanguard of of brand innovation and, and brand and brand voice, if you do not want to be at the vanguard, wait three four years until there are true experts in this area, and you know, and we'll be able to to talk to you about like budgets, performance, mm-hmm. return, all those all those things.
0: Talking of metaverse, one of the, I think one of the things we should do is hire our kids, <laughs> because uh, my, my my son is so engrossed in, in things like Roblox and, and Minecraft and stuff. He, he knows totally. way more than
1: I do. <laughs> Absolutely. Same thing here.
0: And actually, reverting back to your uh, article, which I love, by the way, uh, in Drum, you, you mentioned about technology particularly things like remote viewing that's happened over the last couple of years. Are you seeing a a reversion back to where we were before? I I think I'm seeing some clients and agencies traveling as they used to. Are you seeing that uh, on your side?
1: I don't. There was somebody that had said, I'm nostalgic about the past, but I certainly don't want to go back to it. Yes, there are brands that are doing that, and for a range of reasons, right? There is. It is true that there is, especially if you look at the pharma world, is uh, there was a true role for clients to be on site because there's a lot of things that need to be approved, right? Like everything that deviates from from an FDA approved script, you need to have lawyers. You need to have a number of people be able to make to make decisions, and, and having people on site be able to make those decisions might help. There's another clients, especially smaller clients, where they used to see the marketing, the the television shoot as a way to reward the team for for work, and they're then they're going as as well. But then there is a majority of large clients where they're actually quite happy not having to travel anymore and, and they're benefiting from, I don't know, we open our South Africa hub and we have a, a remote supervision system now where before from the United States going to South Africa, sometimes it was a four-day trip, right? Like two days there, two days back. And it required at least like a three-day shoot to be able to justify your travel expense. And now they see that they can dial in and benefit from that. And they don't have to travel, and, and there's a lot of people that don't don't enjoy traveling and leaving their families, and you know they like me being in those places, <laughs> like like, you, <laughs> like living in those places for for a long time. So I think there is like different reasons for for different for different people. I can see that the conversation about the time they used to consume having easier access to to those production hubs that are remote, but they're creative and and, and very competitive on on cost and the impact that it has in the environment of not having to travel 15 people across the world. They are they are very appealing and I think that we'll see very quickly how, how it's getting there.
0: To address the challenges of a changing world, you talked in your article about Think Big Picture uh, and needing to look at brands' overall marketing needs as the door to architect a smart ecosystem, a production ecosystem. What, what do you see as the key marketing needs driving change in production?
1: I think the main marketing need right now is we're talking to an audience that is becoming increasingly sophisticated because of technology. If you look at how we, like everybody, behaves already when we're consuming content through Netflix and, and we'd like our content to be tailored to what we want to see, same thing with music on Spotify, same thing on purchases on Amazon. Um, as we're shifting from linear television to, to more smart television or on-demand television, and we're looking at content on, on pre-roll with with platforms like YouTube. People demand to have not just yes, better brand targeting or message targeting, like better idea targeting, right? Like when I think that people are very are, are happy to give up data, uh, their data, as long as they get something in return, which is relevancy or something mm. that they like, and that is leading to complexity when you have when you have brands like FMCG brands. If you're talking about Coca-Cola, which appeals to you know, has a very broad audience at a lot of different demographics. The challenge is personalization. And personalization, there are wonderful things that we can do now with media, with media tools, with DCO, with DCE, with, with... And the challenge with that is be able to feed those fantastic machines with enough content that is relevant. And that's why looking at things on a, on a holistic way, on the asset production, which is the more time and, and money consuming, and be able to do a creative that works in place in different levels. So now it's not just about changing the story, but knowing that your forty five plus demographic might be interested in lifestyle and your twenty something demographic in a character brand but can be interested about features, how do you produce those things without doubling your marketing budget? And that's when doing smart things, that's when now we're at a time where it is very exciting with virtual sets, with you know text to speech, with CGI, with to be able to look at the whole thing and say, how do we achieve this goal to deliver better return on investment to our clients?
0: Mm-hmm. That growth in personalized advertising is obviously, you know, it's come to the fore right now and data driving insights. But historically, data uh, has not been something that's been embraced by creatives. Do you think that's changed?
1: Data adds complexity and it's, and it's very challenging. You can very quickly go down the rabbit hole and find it overwhelming. And, and there is a tension between two sides, which is media is very excited about the level of personalization and measurement, creative very much still um, wants to have that brand building. Um, so it's that, that tension between like brand building and performance. And I think that in the middle, what, we, what we're doing, what we have to do is actually made a roadmap to go from one to the other. It's very difficult to go from producing one commercial to producing a million commercials. Right? And, and and before we talk about personalization, maybe we need to talk about audiences, maybe we need to talk about other other things. Creatives, I think that good creatives, they like to have some data because it gives them a framework. It's, it's having a good insight, helps them work around, have something to start building building from. Having said that, I mean, that's, that's the role of, of roles that we're seeing now, like data translators or, or, or data analysis. I remember like when, when we started getting data um, people were very excited about the data sets and every month we have a report of 150 pages of data right which was just numbers and and charts and that now we're turning that data into few very interesting insights which is a lot of, it's a it's a healthier more smart way to actually have creatives built on that
0: we often see that the biggest challenges to change are historic practices and ways of working on the client side, particularly, uh, the way scopes of work are defined or how budgets are set. What what advice would you give a client on the changes they may need to make internally to adapt to a new production ecosystem?
1: If you feel that you don't have somebody you can partner with, fire that person and hire a new one. I know that it sounds brutal. I can but, think of one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but it's that kind of thing where, where I do I do believe that now production strategies is an important thing. That's the we need to think in the way that other other communication industries like publishing or, or or entertainment look at look at production and it requires longer conversations and, and and it requires a more i wouldn't say like trusting but a more direct more direct and and be able to have people solve problems given a broader framework on how to solve it and if they don't feel that they have that that partner what i see is in the long run that relationship deteriorates and nobody gets what they what they're looking for so it's 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 very important for, for people to find a partner or a team that they actually trust and they can and they can have those conversations.
0: Now, I've heard you talk uh, uh, before about capability and the changing skills required in the production community. For instance, we recently put some people inside one of our clients and you know exactly who that is. What do you think of the different approaches clients might take? Is this different ind- industry by industry or is it client by client? What do you think of that?
1: Actually, I think that that's the most exciting part of our business right now. It's the fact that when you were, I mean what you were talking about like my first uh, note about the silver bullet, be able to go in from yes, executing television campaigns to actually be able to to do production strategy and architect solutions for clients and everybody doing its own different thing. I do think that it goes by industries and it goes by clients, especially clients that have a very strong very strong culture. And this industry has I don't understand really why, but it, it's really been enjoyed this polarization of of terms, right? Like in house or external. And I think that's having a healthier balance of all those of all those things is clients do need to have some capabilities in in house. Clients do need to have some healthy partner ecosystem, and clients need to have the ability of work externally with people. What what clients do need, which is something that they haven't had to have before, is be able to have a solid operations and technology stack around around production. Right in the same way, it's almost they need to look at advertising production in the same way that they that they look at manufacturing their own products.
0: The range of skills that are required these days to make assets, I mean, where do you find the people who've got the capabilities? I mean, do you train them yourselves? Do you find people who have had traditional backgrounds and, and upskill them? What, how do you do it?
1: The framework is very common to all the to all the platforms, right? Like what we do with an idea is figure out who are who are the best people procuring the cost. And it's constantly looking alignment Right. I, I find that production is the, is a thing where it's a very creative business that has a framework in the work where, you know, the more I grew in the business and, and started to talk to business people, I realized that a big part of my job was risk management and project management and things like it's like that doesn't change. That doesn't change depends on what we what we're doing. You can, you know, in an integrative workflow you can very clearly say how on the operators or the artist side, there is a big difference between television, print and digital and metaverse. But the important thing, especially for production, is ensuring that we are managing and communicating risk, making sure that there is a a creative level and constantly seek alignment of all parties to, to keep it within strategy. That's what we do on a PPM meeting, that's what we do on a beta release, that's what we do on all those things. Where do we find people? I think that people are coming from industries Nobody, nobody, nobody ever got a job, or, or nobody ever went to university thinking I want to be an advertising producer. <laughs> right? Pat? Is, I, it's so I true. still need to meet. I still <laughs> need to meet the junior producer that says, "Yes, I went to university thinking I do want to be an advertising producer." We all fell into into this. I do believe now there is really entertainment, really interesting people in in the music business, just because how record labels are changing and now artists are creating creative teams around them. It's almost like every artist has his own mini creative agency and they're very much native on, on an omnichannel channel kind of world. I do believe that they are really interesting people in gaming. There's very interesting people in, in publishing. There's all these, all these other industries that are feeding us with, with people that, that bring different skills and, and different points of views on that.
0: Now, we're focusing on this podcast mainly around innovation. What's the stuff that's coming around the corner that's really exciting you? You.
1: Have you heard about this thing called
0: the Metaverse? <laughs> I met the Metaverse. <laughs> My kids are teaching me this stuff. <laughs> no, definitely. But it's, uh, it, it, you know, it is exciting. But also, you know, the fact that brands are starting to engage with that. My son was showing me something the other day. There was a kind of a concert online actually within Roblox. So I was like, oh, wow, that's fantastic. So, uh, But that is exciting. The whole ton of exciting stuff. And, and um, we've, we've been doing a production in the last few weeks. Using Unreal Engine, trying to bundle the scripts up together, and you can really go from one location to another and control the whole lighting on the shoot so well. Uh, I think that's really exciting for me.
1: But I think that the I'm very excited about the technology that we have at our fingertips right now. And mm. I'm old enough to come from from a generation where technology was a limitation. Right when when we when we were working with things that things didn't, you had a limitation on the things that you could you could create. I think that the combination of of course the metaverse or, or virtual reality with Unreal Engine and, and virtual studios, it opens the door for when we talk about like clients brands talking about engaging or uh, or experiences instead of campaigns, it gives the ability for brands to create their own experience and their own worlds. Car advertising if you look at um, the storytelling or the production of, of car advertising hasn't changed that much in the last 20 years. But if you have the it falls very easily into three, four categories. And the car, I mean, you have directorial style of photography, the ability for all of a sudden the, those, those brands to create their own imaginary world or their own world where there is no limitations of real locations. And that can live not just on a television commercial but people can interact with in a virtual world. I do think that that's opening a whole new world of, exciting things that that will be very relevant to the future because it would be ownable for the brand which i think is something that has always been very important it's in a world that is data driven where everybody has the same data how do you become different at the competition and what makes you more appealing than anybody else what makes you recognizable combination of that be able to for the first time own your own world and limitless be able to 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 use it in any platform from of course like metaverse or ar and social and tv I think they're sectionally very, very interesting.
0: Now, finally, um, with all of the other guests that we've had on this podcast, I've asked people what their favorite advertising campaign is of all time. Tell us what yours is.
1: I have very quirky taste for favorite campaigns. And, and there are some campaigns that, from a campaign point of view, I feel sometimes nostalgic about the golden era of television advertising from the 90s. I'm a, I'm a big BBH, BBH fan, so... Mm-hmm. I love the I love that trail of commercials the in the nineties from BBH from the side doing with people like Tarcem, right, like Gas Station or Swimpool. Um it was a beautiful combination of storytelling, film craftsmanship, music, music selection. It was just a masterclass on on television on television advertising. So of course there's been things that have been more exciting, but if uh, at the core of where I am that's my guilty that's my guilty pleasure.
0: Well, you and I are both TV guys, so uh, we're always going to revert <laughs> back to our favourite TV ad. So I'm going to pick one of those and put it onto our reel of favourites uh, for the guests. Look, Sergio, it's been great talking to you today. We've only covered a small part of many interesting and involving topics around the world of production, about how technology is playing its part in the way that we produce stuff, the somewhat scandalous waste of assets. I heard you mention a figure of 80% in the... Piece that you wrote earlier in the year about attracting new and diverse talent into the industry. It'd be great to get you back again uh, on another day on some of these things. But I want to just say thanks so much for being with us on the MCA podcast, and I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks so much.
1: Pleasure. Me too. Thank you very much, Pat.
0: I want to say a big thank you to Sergio Lopez Ferreira for taking time to talk to me today. It's been a real insight on how implementing the right production strategy ahead of time and through the right platform strengthens your engagement with your specific audience. To find out more about the MCA podcast, please head to thepodcast.com where you'll find details on all of my guests, links to their favorite ads and full transcriptions of all the episodes. If you'd like to feature on the podcast or have any comments, questions or feedback, please email us at Prodcast at MurphyCobb.com. I'm Pat Murphy, CEO of MCA. Do come and connect with us on LinkedIn or Instagram, of which all links are in the notes for this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again to my guest, Sergio Lopez-Ferrero, my team at MCA, and to the production team at What Goes On Media. Thanks for listening. Catch you again next time.